This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. here to talk about Starbies, right? Starbies? Yeah. Space horror classic. Everyone loves Starbies. It's a ground it was a groundbreaking film. <laughs> yeah. Great cinematography, <laughs> great uh great acting. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what are we talking about again? Oh, you know that movie, the one with the giant alien, alien. in it? <laughs> yeah starbeast doesn't quite have the same ring to it does it not quite and i am so glad that they were dissuaded away from that title because it would have languished in b-movie limbo forever had it done so i think the sequel would have been what star beasts Yeah, trying to think of like Star Beast versus Predator just doesn't quite have the same ring to it. <laughs> oh my god, I had forgotten about that <laughs> crossover. <laughs> well, oh. folks, we are here with amazingly season four of Not what? Quite Dead. What? <laughs> I can't believe we're here already. Um, how was your break? Did you have a nice break? It was great. I had a break not only from podcasting, but also from my nine to five. Uh, it was the holidays and I took some time off and um, I spent it playing a lot of video games. <laughs> what about you? Oh my gosh. I actually started playing a lot of video games too, which was terrible. <laughs> this is exactly why I don't play video games. I think I spent Maybe like three full days just playing video games, and then I had to stop. I had to get it off my phone. Sounds like you've got some bad influences as friends. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, but no, no alien games. No, no space games, unfortunately. No. And that is a great segue into the theme for season four, which is space horror spooky (laughs) galactic i am (laughs) i am so excited because i really love space movies and um when we were planning out what this season would look like i realized that i have not seen very many horror movies set in space no they're really hard to find actually There, there haven't been a lot of good ones um and and I do love doing bad movies, but I, I don't want to force our audience to have to watch, you know, a bunch of rubbers <laughs> for this season. I, I think one of those a season is maybe tolerable, but I just feel like with space movies that the even the dramas have an element of the horrific in them. 
Yes, they do. And we will be getting to that when we have some later episodes. I Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. <laughs> and Alien is just such a classic. I am so glad that we're kicking off the season with this one. I have seen this movie a million times and I just like, like eat it up every time I see it. It's so delicious, like for the eyes. I love looking at it. Yes. My favorite thing about, okay, so I have a lot of favorite things about this film, but I'll just say one of them at the top here is the cinematography. This movie has this gorgeous film texture and it's so, the feeling I get when I watch it is I'm like, like, oh, it's just so warm. Like there's, it's not, I mean, there are scenes that are, are cold and lifeless and alien in it, which is used to great effect. But there's so many uh, moments on the ship with the crew members where it's this soft golden lighting. Like it's, it's very inviting and very homey. And it just feels like, it actually feels like a place where, oh, these people spend months, years of their lives living here. And I just, I love it. It's fantastic. The cinematography really looks a lot like Space Odyssey. It's, it's classic looking. It's, it almost pays tribute to space. Um, you get these really nice wide shots of outer space, of the ship against different planets, of the sun hitting the sides of these planets. And, and it's just so beautiful and breathtaking. And you forget for a second that this is a horror film. So much of this movie does have a little tip of the hat to 2001. It's very Kubrick, like the ship design um, with those hexagonal hallways and kind of its long shots feel, you know, and the shots through the um, through the windows into space. It feels very, very 2001, very Kubrick. Um, the cinematographer, um, Derek Van Lynch, um, I looked him up after this last time watching the movie and was really s- surprised to see that he's best known for Alien, and he's only done um, four movies. What? Total. Maybe yeah. that's all he had to do. I know. It's like, it's like you do your magnum opus, and then you call it a day, right? Yeah. How do you get better than Alien? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if he had stuck around for Revenant. Maybe. But. Oh, that makes me want to watch Revenant. We, uh, we, we always do this. We like reference other movies and I'm like, add it to the list. Got another one to rewatch. Should we just stop recording and go watch a movie and come back? Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> bear horror. <laughs> <laughs> so furry. <laughs> another big element in this movie. It's like this unspoken. It's like this hidden element in the art, in the cinematography, in the vibe of this movie. And it's Giger. He's everywhere. Yes. yes. The ship, the monster. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love the, um, the biomechanical is always the, the word that they throw around whenever Giger is brought up. His fusion of that organic and technology, particularly in the alien ship design. Um, I'm like cutting to the chase here, but when they're on that um, isolated planet and they, they come across the wrecked alien ship that they go into. Oh yeah, and the it, engineer. And it literally looks like the whole 
like that whole cavernous interior of the alien ship. It looks like it's inside of some giant whale's belly. It just feels like infinite rib cage bones coming up fused with technology. It's so textural and it's like it's gross. And and I and I mean gross in like a very like um visceral way. It's like you everything's wet. Yes. <laughs> but it's also very technical. Yeah. It's very shiny and all of the texture catches all of all of that light and you get a lot of contrast and it's very creepy and and everything looks intertwined with each other you know when we step into that ship now that we're jumping ahead why not go for it um Mm -hmm. it's like everything feels connected in that ship like it all just fuses together and works as one piece it's just so beautiful to look at I love looking at this movie me too it's it's so funny because I was even saying to you before this I was like I watch this movie and I and I'll be paying attention and then I'll realize like, oh, have I even absorbed the last like 10 minutes of dialogue that have been <laughs> happening? Because I because I'm just looking at this movie. Like I just want to like everything about it. Like I love the aesthetic of the crew. Like I love and we should probably just like get into it at this point, but um their clothing. I'm like, man, I want a utility jumpsuit. Like, yes, <laughs> give me a bomber jacket with a bunch of patches on it. Like, I want it. I want that, like, lived in cozy space trucker jacket. It is very cozy. And I, I do love the chemistry with the crew. I think it feels it feels like a group of truckers. Like, you feel like they're all buddy buddy and they've been working together for years and and they get along and and know each other so well and I I think that adds to that warmth that you were talking about yeah the chemistry is just unreal with these guys we've got um a pretty I mean it's a lean cast right because it is the movie is set in space it is a um it's a crew um on a mining ship en route en route back to earth when things go awry that's the that's the high level summary folks um and what is it like 20 million like gallons of ore or something something or- like that yeah it's they they're they're fully loaded <laughs> Ton. down tons yeah gallons. <laughs> gallons. <laughs> the traditional measurement of ore <laughs> gallons um yeah it's uh, 20 million tons of ore and um it the so the crew is um is pretty lean i mean it's it's basically the admin um and then the engineers. And so you've got seven people. You have seven people on this cruise ship. And um, our main stars, you know, the stars. And one cat. And one cat. Let's not forget Jones, Jonesy the cat. Um, is uh, Sigourney Weaver, who I always, always, always confuse her name with Susan Sarandon. So if I do that <laughs> during this recording, apologies, Sigourney. Uh, Sigourney and Susan are interchangeable in this episode. <laughs> Can you imagine putting Sigourney Weaver in um, Rocky Horror Picture Show and <laughs> Susan <laughs> Susan Sarandon in this movie? <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be so bizarre. It would be. It would be uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then uh, our two main uh, main guys here, or our well-known guys here, at least, are Harry Dean Stanton and John Hurt. Stanton, he is Dallas. Is that right? That is, uh, no. Stanton is Brett. No. Yeah, okay. So there, because Dallas is also well-known. And I, I didn't write these names down, so that's why I'm all confused. That's fine. I, I do that all the time. Dallas is also a really famous actor. You know, I, he seemed like he was really famous, but he was in a lot of stuff that I didn't recognize. <laughs> it's, yeah. He's like one of those guys where I'm like, oh my God, I've seen him in so many things, but I couldn't tell you one of them right now off the cuff. Yeah. Uh, his, the actor's name is um, Thomas Scarrett, Thomas Roy Scarrett. And he was in MASH, The Dead Zone, A River Runs Through It, Up in Smoke um top gun like he was in a he's in a ton of things but i couldn't place him didn't recognize him and so i was like i'm gonna list to the people i know in this i guess <laughs> yeah so this movie has a handful of really well-known actors maybe maybe a handful and a half i don't know uh with tom scarrett but it, it's everyone is so good everyone is so good at what what they're doing in this show and oh and ian holm we forgot ian holm as ash that's the hobbit (laughs) (laughs) we've got the hobbit in this movie yeah it's a great cast and that was one of the things that the uh team who made the movie um wanted to focus on they wanted to not worry about having to work with the actors so much and focus more on the storytelling and the effects and all and all of this. Um, so they made that a big point. It was was hiring good people, and I think they really nailed it. Yeah, I love that. I love the camaraderie between them. Um, Sigourney Weaver just such a natural in this. It's her first role um, as a as a leading actor in a film. Uh, which is just totally incredible. She she won a Saturn Award for this for Best Actress, and um, Veronica Cartwright, the only other um, woman crew member, she also won a Saturn Award for Best Supporting Actress. And um, they're able to just totally embody this, and they seem like they've known each other for a million years. Yeah, and she uh, she was actually supposed to be Ripley. But Sigourney took it. (laughs) Sigourney got it instead. Can you imagine? So Veronica Cartwright auditions for the role of Ripley, believes that she's won the role of Ripley, shows up to filming, and then is told by Ridley Scott, surprise, we're casting you as the other woman now. (laughs) (laughs) And she dies. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't like it. She's got quotes where she was like, I didn't want to play this character because this character is very emotional. Um, but then they they convinced her. And I mean, on the strength of the story, like, yeah, you just want you would just want to be part of this film. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but poor Veronica. At the same time, Sigourney Weaver crushes the role of Ripley so much. You can't. It's unimaginable that anyone else would be in that role. I know. And then to see her come back three more times. It's hard to imagine anyone else being Ripley at this point. So sorry about that, Veronica. (laughs) So we are 
um, in space with the crew of the Nostromo. And I love, I love how in so many space movies they follow this trope where it's a crew being awakened from um, deep sleep. And yeah, and it's beautiful. It's, it's so very beautiful. it's beautiful. I and really, I feel like this first act here is um, a ton of establishing shots to really just make the audience understand the true uh, scope and scale of how large this ship really is. Yeah, and and getting to know the characters is really fun. I I love Parker. Parker is just like. Well, Parker and uh, and Brett <laughs> and Brett, yeah, they're just like, well, that's not in our agreement, so we're not doing X Y Z. We want more money. We want to go home. <laughs> and I'm just like, I am with you guys. I would not want to be here anymore either. <laughs> oh yes, I love, uh, yeah, I love how quickly they set up the tension between these guys. Is they're awoken from their deep sleep um, early. They're only supposed to be awoken from this sleep when they're uh, significantly closer to Earth, and they find out that they're only halfway to Earth, which means that they have a lot more time to go. Um, There was uh, some signal that got picked up, and so the ship overrode their uh, hypersleep and woke them up, and there's this tension between the crew members who are um, like the captain and the navigator versus the engineers, um, Brett and Parker. And like, exactly. I love that these two guys are just like, um, are we getting our bonus? And if we're going to do this, do we get a bigger cut of our bonus? Like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, <laughs> you sign. like, we're not volunteers here. We're not doing this out of the goodwill of our hearts. Yeah. They're, that's so real and relatable to people at any any decade right i mean you're you don't want to do you don't want to do stuff you don't you're not getting paid for it you don't want to spend your time or put your life at risk you want to go home you want to have a beer and watch alien yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah everyone's very dismissive of these guys though they're like you're gonna get your money stop talking about it (laughs) just chill yeah yeah but, but you're right. The ship is amazing. And we get some really cool shots of the ship. And, and the camera slowly goes through the corridors of this ship and just lets you take it in really mm-hmm. slowly in the beginning of the movie. It's really lovely. And there's a ton of tech in it, too. Like, this movie is just totally kitted out with this very functional ship. Um, there's no decorative hallways um you know every every hallway has piping running through it and gears and buttons to push and blinking lights and noises like it's a very active um function i'm gonna use the word functional again ship and i don't i don't think that this movie is as egregious um as other (laughs) sci-fi movies of this era about its technology which i do appreciate yeah, these are these are pretty good interfaces. They look the way you might expect an interface to look. It's not it's not a, a computer program that's so out there and a- adaptive, you know, like the like the program we see in the thing 
where uh, it can it, it's able to emulate the cell takeover of the alien, right? And this mm-hmm. is like, you know, it's it's a call and response to mother to the the you know the howl of the ship. Yes, so. the howl of the ship is our uh, other one of our other characters in this movie. We don't see her but we hear her and that's the ai um who's governing the ship mother which what a name (laughs) for your ai (laughs) i wish i had looked into why they chose mother i i i hadn't really thought to look into it but i have to imagine it's just i don't know it sets the the crew at ease it's comforting uh, she'll take care of you. It's a she. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've read studies where uh, people find uh, that they prefer voice assistants to have female voices because they find them like less challenging than male AIs. Like, no. so I don't, yeah. I mean, that's why you're, you've got your series and your Alexa and whatever Microsoft did. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, whatever. Yeah, mother. And uh, mother's the one who wakes them up. And she tells them that they have been getting a um, a ping. And this ping is coming from a a nearby system. And there is a company policy, which is is a good policy, but feels more moralistic than I would trust any like capitalist run mining company to actually behave in, which is if there is a distress signal, they have to go answer it. Um, and it's like, what, what actual corporation would like have this as policy unless it was like a law to do so? Yeah. And, and we, you know, the crew goes to this thing. They, they go find it and they suit up and go aboard this crash landed ship. I mean, I don't know if it's crash landed or not, but it's there and it's stuck and um, they, they hop aboard it's, and yeah, it's pretty good. Look at everything. It's pretty derelict. Like it looks like it's been there for a long time and it is spooky. It's like a, it's, and this movie is a horror movie. Like we, we've slotted it in as our space horror. I think it's an interesting one because um, there's a lot of unease in this movie, but it's not strictly a horror movie until at least an hour in, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time believing this would ever be set up for a bunch of truckers, like basically space truckers to deal with. They're not equipped. They're not scientists. They don't have the right gear for it. They don't question things the way a scientist would, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they're just up close and looking at everything. And they're, they're not really checking to see if something could be hostile. When, you know, when there you see this spore pod, and there's obviously something inside it, they get really close to it. And I'm just like, this is not something they should be doing. No, they should just confirm there's <laughs> something there go back and get the right kind of help. Yeah. But then we wouldn't have alien. 
This is so. this is true. I I like that it's taking a bunch of average Joes and forcing them to deal with something that is way outside of their comfort zone. I I can appre- I can appreciate that. And these guys, these knuckleheads that go and check out this ship are just kind of the worst of the worst because um the engineers stay on board and uh Ripley and Ash stay on board. And then otherwise it's the th- it's the two guys in Lambert. So Dallas, Kane and Lambert go out to this ship and it's just like it is foggy, it is <laughs> it is dark, wet. it's wet. <laughs> it, this ship is crumbling like they don't know how long it's been there. Um and back on the ship, um you know, Ripley is like this this could be a, a real like distress signal and we might want to get them like back and ash is just kind of like well by the time you go get them and bring them back to the ship like they'll have already found whatever could be causing the problem and it's very cavalier <laughs> yeah you just start right away actually even before this you get a sense oh ash is ash is on another level than the rest of these folks he he's he reminds them about the hidden claws where they have to go look at this distress signal. And I was thinking, you know, that would be a big flag. That'd be a big red flag because who remembers shit like that? Yeah. I, I guess the science guy would, but that's the first flag. You know, nobody really wants to do this, but this guy does. Yeah. His attitude towards the whole thing is, is always a little bit off from everyone else's could we say a bit robotic <laughs> <laughs> and also i mean okay so it's a distress signal so sure 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 like they're just gonna send their two guys and lambert out to go check it out but part of me is like why doesn't this the single science officer on the ship go be one of the people to yeah. go out onto this alien planet <laughs> Make him do it. He's the one that wants to so bad. I know. And they get there. They get um, into the ship. And it is. um, This is where you get the real good geeker um, aesthetic. Like it is um, very like um, black and organic and dripping and oozing. And like uh, it's just like great. I love the practical effects on the ship. I love the practical effects in the whole movie, but it's really cool to see, you know, the spore pod and you can see the alien moving inside. Uh, I love seeing, yeah, the engineer, which is again featured in Prometheus, hanging out in a ship. Um, Everything was, was built by hand. This isn't this isn't CGI. So it's you can touch it and it looks like you can touch it and it looks terrifying at one point they shine a light into the engineer's eye and i'm just waiting for that eye to move mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah this is where i mean you're you're like there's gonna be a jump scare you have that tension this like whole whole scene and when kane is in that he goes into that room with all of those eggs spores and you're yeah, just and like, then he turns around and leaves and everyone's fine. They go home. 
Um, that's nope. what you would want to do. Okay, if you walked into a chamber that had hundreds of alien objects, and if you looked at them <laughs> and you could tell there was something living moving inside of them, would you go touch it? Fuck no. no. I I write some notes and leave <sighs> right away. I I mean I would not have stuck around at all. But he does. I'm I'm a coward. Yeah. I know. I am too. I wouldn't have even left the ship. I would have been like, forget the cause. <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> but of course he touches it and then it jumps out at him and like it goes straight for his face. It's like it's almost like comical how it's just like, oh, I'm going for your face. I'm going to come through your helmet and attach myself to your face. Yeah. And it looks like a big crab. Mm -hmm. It looks like crab boil lunch. Terrifying. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very oceanic, um, which I think is another great um, practical effect in that um, Ridley Scott, in order to make these creatures, um, was literally going to the fish market in the mornings and yes. just buying random crustaceans and like gluing them together <laughs> to make these horrifying creatures but yeah. I mean it does feel like if you were to guess what a what an organic creature would look like from an alien planet and it's going to be scary as shit like yeah it's probably going to be like close to something that you would find at the bottom of the ocean yeah, it its method of reproducing is latching onto your face. So of course it's gonna have long skinny legs that can wrap around your entire head. It's it's freaky. And crabs are freaky to me without attaching to one's face. So that would just be my nightmare. Uh yeah, and what is even more my nightmare than him being attacked by this alien baby? is um the insistence of his crew members on breaking quarantine to bring him uh, back onto the ship. And we all know about quarantine. I may be particularly sensitive to people breaking quarantine <laughs> watching this movie in 2021. <laughs> so timely. But it's horrible. So Ripley and Ash are on the ship and they uh, get the call that Lambert and Dallas have dragged Kane's lifeless body back to the Nostromo. And they're like, let us on board. And Ripley smartly says, fuck you. <laughs> There's <laughs> no an way. alien attached to you. <laughs> I'm not letting you on the ship. Yeah. And then, of course, we have our safety officer, Ash, who just ignores everything she's saying and and opens the hatch and they come aboard with alien in tow yeah uh ash overriding ripley to um to let them on board is just like hmm, another little check against ash here <laughs> who another reason to hate ash whose side is he on uh which i i love that this movie gives us um like a micro and a macro villain, like our, our minor and our major rather our, our right. minor villain is Ash doing stuff that is like not convenient. You know, he's just, 
grease in the wheels to make things harder for everybody. And then we've got our, our major alien, which is now um, a little stowaway on board. Although it's not a stowaway yet because it is it's still attached to Kane's face. Yeah, they know where it is still. But not for long. We have our crew kind of dealing with Kane's body, exploring it, you know, poking at it, trying to see what it's all about. And at some point they are able to get it off of his face. I didn't really write any notes for this. Basically, like, he's there and they are able to remove the alien and he and they go have dinner. Everything seems to be in order. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, they have a couple of scenes of this surgery where Ash is there. He's kind of their resident scientist slash doctor. And realizing that you're like, yeah, these guys probably shouldn't be doing any missions besides the ones that they're assigned to because you wouldn't really want anyone getting injured. This guy does not seem like he knows exactly how to be a doctor. He like cuts off a little piece of the alien and it's blood drips out onto the floor and is like this hyper corrosive acid that just like immediately eats through the floor of this giant floor yeah, of this giant ship. And it's like, why don't I don't know why they don't just let Kane die <laughs> when that oh, happens. Yeah. Throw that thing outside. It needs to be live outside with, you know, the dogs and cats that we all throw outside. Um it eats through several floors of concrete. Yeah, it's gnarly. And I and it's just one little little phalange. Yeah. Um but when they they leave Kane um in the surgery room and um they go to check back in on him and they that's when the the little face hugger um it it's not on his face and they're like where is it and it then drops from the ceiling onto ripley and she has that freak out uh but it's dead and they're just like yeah. and they're just like oh cool cool <laughs> <laughs> And then they're like that that was easy. Yeah. Then they're like buddies. And like then they're like buddies like having lunch again, you know? They're like eating food around the lunch table. This is where it's like, oh, I could be a space trucker. Like this is it's one of those scenes where you're like, yeah, I could like wear a jumpsuit and have like space hair and cuz it's like it's late 70s so everyone has incredible hair and like facial hair. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, and eat what looks like junk food. It's like, where did you guys get food that looks like junk food, like takeout food? <laughs> right. I, I know. I'm expecting them to have little packets of paste right. or something. Yeah, but it just like feels so good. And then, um, and then Kane, um, like he starts freaking out during this meal. Um, and this is when I think we pivot to like true horror. I think I would say that this scene is when we like the classic scene is when we pivot to real horror. Yeah, this is a super famous scene um, in the script. Basically, all it said was this thing emerges like that's all the crew knew. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Hurt knew mm -hmm. and uh, and and the rest of the crew, right, that the, the production crew they, you know, when I was reading the notes on this, everyone was wearing suits. Everyone's wearing like plastic suits, right? To keep them something mm -hmm. I'm imagining mm -hmm. clean. Yeah. So 
But that's all these these folks knew when acting out this scene. And it's amazing. The scene is so iconic. The chest bursters scene is so iconic. It's been parodied in so many movies and has been like a reference point for so many movies. Nothing comes close to this when they finally like they push Kane down onto the table because they realize something is happening to him. And then this alien baby just like bursts through his chest. (laughs) Blood goes everywhere. Yeah. It's great. And every, you, you know, you see the, I love looking at the scene knowing that, that nobody knew what was happening. And I just, I don't look at, hurt anymore because I've seen it a thousand times but I look at everyone's faces mm-hmm. and they look scared they look so nervous yeah especially Ripley her her face is so believable she just looks disgusted and, and nervous um and I and I guess right after that scene um Lambert right Lambert mm-hmm. she she passes out yeah <laughs> She, uh, the actress, passed out because she wasn't expecting it, and I was just like, "Oh, bravo! <laughs> that's that's. I'm glad you held it together for the shot." <laughs> but she she does get some blood in her mouth. Oh. <laughs> she got it pretty bad. And this is another practical effect where the um <laughs> the alien was comprised of a fish stall. <laughs> goods and um i love that ridley scott's got some quotes some pretty choice quotes about um how they had to film scenes quickly because the smell was pretty ghastly yeah (laughs) that'd be awful i know i just imagine them like starting to film this scene and they're all just like well something smells like it died in here (laughs) (laughs) oh man it kind of did so we have this alien that's just loosed onto the ship yeah, it like scrambles away. Yeah. So cute. <laughs> now they're stuck with it. Now what do they do? Uh, they uh they have to go find it and deal with it, obviously. We really start to see like it's one of those pressure cooker situations where it's like the characterization of each character really starts to come to the fore where it's like If you didn't know what Lambert was supposed to be before, now you understand that Lambert is our audience stand-in character. She's the one who is losing her mind over how terrible the situation is. She can't keep it together. She's just just a normal, emotional person. Whereas you've got um, Dallas and Ripley are very, like, let's take care we got to kill this thing like we got to take care of this type people they're very level-headed super level-headed dallas is a hard head i would say though he's level-headed and is like very oriented around taking care of this thing but he's always trying to assert his own control over the situation Mm -hmm. you can tell with the way he behaves you know he he's in control he doesn't care about quarantine he doesn't care that when he goes after this alien, he's not coming back. He's just like, this is happening. The sad thing is, is that the first person to <laughs> the first person who is killed by the alien is 
is Brett. And it's not even like he was trying to find the alien. He was just in um in one of the like engineering compartments and he sees the cat. And so we have like the, all, like kind of always in the background, we've got this cat Jones, Jonesy. And um <laughs> the scene where where Brett gets taken by the alien, the cat is like not happy. And I'm just like the whole scene, I'm just like, Brett, pay attention to the cat. The cat is hissing. The cat is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> he knows you. He wouldn't be hissing at you. Yeah. <laughs> but but then Brett gets you know what kidnapped yeah <laughs> gets taken by the alien Which, and you just see jonesy's like smug ass cat face and he's like well you should have hid maybe you can help me wrap my head around this because when i whenever i watch this movie i'm always like what is what is the time that has passed here because the alien that comes through kane's chest is a small little baby alien and the alien that takes Brett not long after is a full grown adult alien. It's a big boy. I don't think it takes that long. I don't think it even takes a day. I mean, when you think of the lifespan of this thing, it it just burst out of that pod what uh, maybe a day before it's hard to tell because we're in outer space and and there's no sun really um you you know there's no atmosphere or landscape so it's hard kind of hard to tell but it it the way they're pacing the movie it's all happening very fast and this alien seems to have a very quick life cycle so i can't imagine it was more than a day that is wild i mean that's the way i yeah. mean really when you're watching the movie it seems like they go into planning mode immediately about how they're going to find and kill this alien. And then it kind of cuts to the scene of Brett down in kind of, it's like the ship is segmented where all of the engine work and all of the machinery that runs the ship is at a lower level. So Brett's down there and the alien, I mean, I know from the character design notes, is seven feet tall yeah. because they found a six foot 10 man to put into a giant <laughs> costume. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think it probably was about a day for it to burst out of his chest and then maybe another day for it to get big. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm guessing here. I, I didn't actually look into it, but that's kind of how I took it in as an audience member. I was like, Oh, this happened really fast. <laughs> they are fucked. <laughs> It is, it is, it feels like game over for these yeah. guys. You know, you it, see how, how absolutely horrifying this alien looks. Um, it is, it's a, it's a creature that looks like it only knows how to kill things. Yeah. You basically know game is over when Brett picks up that, the snake skin, you know, like the alien skin. And it's like, oh, shit, when something sheds, that means it gets bigger. So this is a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, doomed. So bad. So the crew, I mean, really, this this part of the movie is all about like, okay, Brett is is missing. 
And it's just scene after scene of these guys trying to figure out how they're going to kill the alien. And as an audience member, you've just got this horrible dread that you're just going to watch this crew get picked off one by one. Yeah. I I almost I, I kind of wish they had just gotten into the uh life the lifeboat and just left immediately. I know they th- <laughs> but- they think about it and they're like but that can only hold four people and it's like dude figure it out like there's now Don't worry about Ash. Yeah there <laughs> but still there's six of them and it's like you can figure out how yeah. to make two more people fit on a four person um escape pod. I believe in you. Like there is a massive alien loose on your ship that is going to kill all of you. A very surprising thing is that the second character who ends up um, being killed by the alien is Dallas. Yeah, he's a big one. Yeah, you really think that given he is the alpha male of the ship, I want to say, you could be led to believe that he is the protagonist. And I actually really appreciate that Dallas gets it because it really, it really reinforces that Ripley is our, our leading star here. And it also reinforces the fact that these guys don't know what they're doing. You know, they, they never should have had to do this in the first place. And it makes sense that, you know, a captain would take charge, but may not really know how to deal with this thing. They're, they're figuring it out as they go. And so the crew's watching him. This part is so scary, I think. Uh, the crew watching him go through the different corridors and on their radar, they can also see where the alien is. And so they're telling him to go and go and go, but then they, they lose it off the grid. Um, this part got me, Kate. We were on the phone while we were watching this together. And um, Dallas is just kind of hunkering down and they're telling him it's right there. It's right there. He goes downstairs underneath where he was. And all of a sudden you see this alien jump out of the side with its for a hug. And I scream (laughs) and I've seen this a million times and I always forget about that part. I know. And it's like, (laughs) with it's like claws out, like, it's like so forward. Yeah, it's a good it's a good jump scare. And I I always think of Alien as like almost more like a thriller movie. Um like a like a drama thriller. Um but then when you watch it you're like, "No, this is this has got all those horror elements in it. The, there's the music and this creature is is hiding and killing and jumping out and then there's even like the cat like moving like that's so classic horror movie right to have a cat in it it's almost mm-hmm. like the inverse of you know how the dog always dies in a movie it's like oh if there's a cat in a movie like it's definitely going to try and scare the shit out of you at least twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're little monsters <laughs> so after dallas dies they argue again about whether or not they should take the you know escape pod whatever it is Ripley, I disagree with her here. She's she's like, no, <laughs> we have to kill the alien here, which I don't even like. I don't get it. You know, I think that they should just try and now shove their five people <laughs> into the four person ship. The only thing, the only flaw I see with that is, you know, they may not have enough oxygen for five people. And so I understand, I do, which is just like Titanic all over again, right? Like, why wouldn't you make a life? 
boat for all seven of your crew members to escape from. Uh, well, at least six, right? Yeah. <laughs> no one knows Ash is a robot yet. Um, obviously, Ash is not interested in using the escape pod. And he's been chatting with Mother. Yes. And this is where Ripley figures it out. She figures out his little game. She's been suspicious because naturally Ash has been um, very sneaky and weird. Kind of a dick this whole time. The word I kept thinking of when I was watching it was withholding. I was like, I was like, he's never giving a hundred percent of the information he could be giving. Yeah, that's a, that's a more intelligent word. He's like, nah. I just think that he's he's very um he's using a lot of discretion about what he's saying when he's saying it, and so when Ripley um she's checking out the computer. And um, she realizes that Ash has been ordered by the company um, to bring the alien back and that they're willing to. Yeah. And they're willing to just let the crew members die. How horrifying to read that. Absolutely. I mean, for one thing, the shock of realizing that someone that you've been traveling with um, and working alongside for potentially years is an android and you had no idea like mind-blowing right oh yeah and and this is uh, this is like my favorite scene it's it's this it's this discovery of what ash really is and it takes a minute to really understand what's going on you know first first he tries to kill ripley and he does this really bizarre move that i would never ever think to do to kill somebody he takes a magazine and he rolls it up and just starts shoving it down her throat (laughs) what a what a bizarre way it's almost like ash was like programmed you know the uh asimov laws of robotics right the ethics that like androids Mm -hmm. must follow where it's like they can't cause harm to a human being it's almost like ash was programmed to follow those and he was like if i can't know that this will actually kill her then i can't be faulted for actually killing her with this bizarre ass <laughs> method <laughs> but it looks like really uncomfortable and and she does get she does get some rescuers right coming in to try and and fend him off and ash who is he's not young i mean he's he's not old like you know like he was in the hobbit but uh he's uh he's old enough and he's able to fend off three people and it it just it's like why is he able to fend all these people off and then you realize why you know he he starts he's he's been oozing milky some weird milky substance out of his face i was gonna say like why so much white liquid coming out of his (laughs) body (laughs) you know what caused that that can't be sweat or they would have caught on to that earlier uh, yeah, and they end up ripping his head off. Yeah, he has the coolest flip out right here. He is just like running around, spinning in circles and like <laughs> screaming and like flipping around. And I was just like, what was that like to act out? That must have been so much fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think that th- that his head being ripped off was maybe my least favorite practical effect 
in the movie. Yeah. His head. The head's the weak point. The head itself. Yeah. The head itself. Yeah. I was like, oh, it looks like um, paper mache. I don't know. There was something about it that just seemed. <laughs> they ran out of money right here. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed like, okay, like hurry up and film the scene and we'll just like edit it like in post. It, yeah, it was, it, it was not so great. But I mean, they all then realized that, that they're really screwed. You know, they were woken up early. They're so far from Earth. They have this alien on their ship and they are down most of their people at this point. Um, although losing Ash, not a heavy loss for them. No. Um, so. Right. So we have Parker and Lambert left and the cat, of course. Yep. And Ripley. So right. we've got With Ripley. three. So now that we only have three people left. They're like, maybe it's time to use the four-person escape pod. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well. And so they decide that they're going to self-destruct the Nostromo, which is pretty good thinking. Um, I guess there's part of me that's like, well, maybe if they just left the alien on. I guess they don't know how long the alien could live for. Because I was thinking that they could just potentially leave the alien on the ship and then he would just die eventually. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, hadn't really given that much thought. (laughs) I was like, of course they're going to blow up the ship. It's got an alien on it. What else would you do? (laughs) It's a space horror movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I yeah I I guess I think Ripley is just so worried about this thing making its way back to Earth somehow, which is fair. It's it's pretty terrible. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I think that yeah. I was like, oh, if they destroy the ship, then it means that they're destroying their whole payload too. Like they spent however many years, uh, mining this ore just to blow it up with the ship but i mean yeah that's me being a company man fuck the company fuck this alien (laughs) (laughs) well i guess if the company had this clause and and told ash it's okay if they all die then they're probably not going to get paid for that payload anyway because they were supposed to die (laughs) most likely most likely (laughs) so they trigger the self-destruction yet poor parker and lambert do yeah, not, they're pretty expendable. They do not make it very far. And I mean, if you've been watching the movie, you're like, how interesting that Parker and Lambert are the ones who survive to make it off the ship. And it's like, well, surprise, they're not making it off the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes against the uh, the expected outcome for a bit. But that was one of the cool things, actually, about this movie is that the whole script was written for anybody. You know, it could have been any gender, any race, in any role, and they just grabbed whoever was best. Mm-hmm. So we ended up with two women and an African-American about to leave the ship yep. <laughs> with a cat. <laughs> with a cat, yep. And they don't make it. And nope. so then it's just Ripley. And this movie is just about two hours long. At this point, there's still... 30 minutes of movie left and you're like oh boy Ripley are you in for it (laughs) that's all I can think about is she has a long road ahead of her in this movie yeah so she's she's all aboard the life preserver 
with the cat and she's prepping to go to sleep. But little does she know that somebody else is aboard the ship also prepping to sleep. How is it so sneaky? <sighs> this alien. It blends in. It blends in with the ship. It, it looks like the ship. She's, she gets inches away from it. And even I couldn't see it. And I, I was watching it, I think, you know, with you and, and commenting and just waiting. And I was like, is that it? Is that the alien? Is it there? Like, it's so hard to see until you see it. <sighs> I love Ripley versus the alien because I love, for one thing, how real it feels. It's not pretty. It's not a pretty scene of uh, Ripley. Um, she's in her, uh, she's classically, this is another iconic scene she's in her underwear and braless in a white tank top as she's scr literally scrambling around the ship trying to get away from this alien i like that there's no vanity in it like i feel like if you look at i don't know like a modern movie i think that there would be an emphasis on like look at how sexy our leading actress's legs are when we put her in <laughs> underwear and no bra but this just feels like, oh, this is a woman who is preparing for deep sleep and she's terrified out of her mind and doesn't have time to put clothes on. You know, I love it. Yeah. I mean, they they really don't. It's not a big deal that she's in her underwear. It feels very natural. Like she's about to go to bed. Her crack is showing like whatever. Yeah. She is just ready to chill. And now she's dealing with an alien in her underwear. <laughs> <laughs> the method that. Ripley uses to get the um to get the alien off of the ship is ingenious, right? She she manages to get her space spacesuit on and open the airlock to like suck it out, which you think would work. You would think, <laughs> <laughs> but this alien is so awful. It survives in space, and that's a new gimmick we haven't really seen that before yeah in a movie that's true that's true it's fine it's like oh like a cockroach oh you thought you could just throw me into space bitch i live in space <laughs> i am space <laughs> uh, so this cockroach is just like floating around you know tailing the tailing the ship and it crawls inside one of the um i don't know what do you call it like a booster or yeah, it's like a, it's like one of those like turbine things that like are on planes. Yeah. yeah, she has to shoot it out, and it just takes so long, so much longer than it should to get rid of this thing. <laughs> but she does it. Yeah, she does. And Ripley, I mean, she's incredible. And then it's just her and Jones, her and the kitty cat. Yeah, yeah, and they make it. She she puts in her final log. Can you imagine the reception that is waiting for her when she comes back to Earth and is that mutual confrontation of them saying, okay, so you blew up a $20 million or <laughs> payload. Uh, uh, not even $20 million. It was 20 million tons. Who even knows how much money that's worth? $1 a ton. <laughs> <laughs> and... And, you know, the whole crew is dead and they, she didn't even bring the alien back, which is the Nothing. one thing that they wanted. And she's like, well, you thought that we could all die. So, yeah. Well, she has to deal with Paul Reiser when she gets home and, and listen to his bullshit about wasting all their money. But that's 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 another podcast. 
<laughs> uh, and that's the yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the movie, and it goes it goes fast. It's it's a really clean. It's really neat. The story is stellar. Pun not intended, but you know, it's <laughs> it works. It works. It's it's so good. Like we were really harping on how fantastic the casting is and how beautiful the movie is to watch. I th- I think it's I think it's fantastic. It is such it's such a good movie, even for non horror fans. Like I think the story is so compelling that I think that's why it's considered such a strong classic in film. Yeah, and I and I appreciate that, you know, we do see these dudes, uh, you know, girls and guys going on this planet and doing kind of stupid things. You know, it's not too stupid. They're doing what they're told, but but they don't behave the way you would expect somebody to behave because they're not the right somebody, right? That's that makes sense. They're truckers. Mm-hmm. They're they're miners. You know, now I feel like there's a lot of space related movies and including Prometheus, where you see scientists doing this work, right? Doing this exploration and they do the same stupid things, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't work when they're scientists, but it works in this movie because they're not scientists. Yeah. And I really appreciate that about this movie. Absolutely. I think that we should transition to one of our new segments for this season. Yes, two whole segments for this season, for each episode, space-related. Let's go. Segment one is who is our MVP in the crew and who is our LVP, our least valuable player on the crew? I think we're going to have maybe the same answers for these Yeah, ones. probably. <laughs> <laughs> My MVP is, of course, far and away, Ripley. Yeah, of course. She is the MVP. She's our hero. She's the one who, if they had just listened to her from the beginning, they would not have even had an alien on their ship. But they did it anyway, and she took care of business. Yeah, if only they had listened to her. I, I did pick a backup in case we both had Ripley, which I figured we both would. Mm, who's your backup? My backup was Lambert, actually. Mm. Um, I thought Lambert, you know, did 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 right by the crew. Mm-hmm. She made it to the end. She went and got the supplies. You know, she tried anyway. Uh, she 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 was a trooper. And she was emotional, but she, that's normal. You know, she's us like, this is fucking scary. Uh, And she pushed through it and persevered and tried her hardest (laughs) to the very end anyway. So I gave her my uh, runner up for MVP. I think that's very fair. For LVP, I'll let you go first because I have a backup for LVP. (laughs) Okay, I also have a backup for LVP. Oh, great! I, it's it's obviously Ash. Of course, I think we agree. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I I thought, all right, let's skip Ash because he's very obvious. He's the villain, so of course he's the least valuable crewmate. Um, and I decided to go with Jonesy. Jonesy oh, is my okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jonesy obviously does shit. Doesn't help warn Brett that there's an alien behind him. Really, he kind of just kind of just growls 
and 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 as Brett is getting it, he just like I said, he's he's one of those asshole smug cats. That's just who he is. Mm-hmm. And I and I have cats. My cats are very sweet. They're not smug. <laughs> so this is Jonesy's character. He's kind of smug, kind of a dick, not very helpful. So I gave him my least valuable crewmate. (laughs) (laughs) My LVP, second to Ash, of course, was Kane. Because he served one purpose, which was to get infected by an alien (laughs) spore, bring it on board, and die horrifically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is all Kane's fault. (laughs) Kane is not very useful, but he is very beneficial to the plot. So we can give him that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's our second segment? Our second segment, and this comes up every time I watch a space movie, whether it's horror or not. Uh, this, our second segment is our favorite worst technological advance prediction (laughs) i guess we can call it i'm sure you'll come up with a quippier name but um yeah there's always something that you see in a in a movie based in the future that makes zero sense i love it when you get to see a movie that's set in a time that i'm currently living in or have already lived through and it's like no uh back to the future we don't have flying cars yet we don't have hoverboards <laughs> you kind of got it wrong and our computers look a hell of a lot better than the ones you're showing um computers i feel like are always wrong but anyway so we want to go through that every movie this season and talk about our favorite missteps in technology i love this segment because it's so fun to pick apart at how even people who are imagining the concept of cross solar system, cross galaxy space travel and everything that's in there, they they're still limited only by their imaginations, you know, so we we get some some kind of funky uh, elements of tech in here. I think that Alien does a really good job for the most part, but mm-hmm. but my favorite incorrect tech prediction has to be the command console used to communicate with mother um <laughs> because for them to ask mother questions it is very very casual and very ambitious to think that we would ever be able to communicate with computers uh in such a, a natural way we have ash typing in things like what's the story mother no context (laughs) no information for her to grab onto to respond to and respond she does anyway so that's that's mine yeah that's a good one i mean computers can't really do that now have you ever tried talking to siri because it doesn't work (laughs) i've tried my best (laughs) all right let me get to mine um i have one and a half um my my main my first choice isn't truly a technology it's it's the clause honestly it's the clause in the contract that is sending this crew out to get this alien 
you know, I, I, I really have a hard time believing that any company bringing back this much in commodity would want to sacrifice it plus their crew to bring back an alien, especially when the crew is not equipped to deal with it. What do they go into the ship with? Some flashlights? Yeah, they're just, and they're not, they're not trained. They're not ready for this. It it seems like mm-hmm. yeah. not surprising the way this ended up. I know they included Ash, but uh, it's hard to imagine a crew putting up with that. So I think that seemed kind of dumb. Um, but as far as like pure technology goes, I think my favorite stupid technology that they showed was that goofy command room with just lights blinking everywhere. <laughs> yes. What is the deal with that? It doesn't do anything. I know. I love that the lights not only are all the walls and fully covering the panel where they sit and work, but also go up through the ceiling. Yeah. Is that yeah. supposed to tell us something? Are there are there commands underneath? Is it just it's just pretty? I, I don't know. Yeah, you just see these blinking lights, but what they correspond to is meaningless. There's no connection <laughs> to re- any of reality in this movie. Yeah, it feels very Space Mountain at Disneyland. It's just because it's Disney, you know, they, you know, it's pretty. So uh, that was my favorite unlikely technology. I can't imagine a company spending money on that if it's not necessary. <laughs> well, I think that. Even with its technological missteps, it's still such a classic um, for science fiction, classic for horror movies, um, so groundbreaking and so much of what it does. I want to give this one five alien eggs out of five alien eggs. Yeah, me too. But maybe I'll say five spaceships out of five spaceships. Five doomed Mm. mining crafts. (laughs) <laughs> 20 million tons of ore out of 20 million tons of ore that's it that's the one <laughs> all right well we will see you guys with our next episode which is another classic jason in space i can't wait <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to check out the blog, check us out on Instagram, and stay tuned for more great space horror in season four of Not Quite Dead. This was Not Quite Dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Not Quite Dead Podcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching.